Welcome back to another Cybersecurity Minute, a podcast production put on by Black Talent Security to keep you and your business cyber safe. Here are your hosts, Gary Salmon and Trey Tice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Cybersecurity Minute podcast presented by Black Talent Security. I am the new co-host, Trey Tice, taking over for the wonderful Kelsey. Today's episode is called Don't Let the Fox Guard the Hen House. Sean Tuma, data privacy and cybersecurity attorney with Spencer Fain, sits down with host Gary Salmon, CEO of Black Talent Security, to discuss the importance of having a third-party cybersecurity company monitor your network. Enjoy the show. Hey, this is Gary Salomon, CEO of Black Talent Security. Uh, today, I'm honored to have Mr. Sean Tuma with us. Sean and I have worked many ransomware privacy cases together over the years. And um, Sean, you're a, you're a man of uh, extreme knowledge. <laughs> you know, there are, there are plenty of attorneys out there, but you get, the, uh, you get not only the technical end of this business, but obviously the legal end as well. So welcome. Well, thank you very much, Gary. I appreciate it. It is an honor and a pleasure for me to be here with you as well. Um, we we have definitely done some excellent work together. And the only way it's excellent is when it comes out in, in the best interest for the clients. And uh, you guys at Black Talon have done a great job of, of uh, saving the bacon of a lot of folks out there that would have been in trouble otherwise. So thank you. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. I mean, We've definitely had some really interesting cases, a couple of them this year. Uh, I mean, we had one case where the the healthcare entity was literally the second victim of a new ransomware gang. And uh, I remember chatting with my security guys and then informing me that it looks like it's a uh, reincarnation of a threat group that was brought down by the FBI. So... You probably remember that one. I, I remember that one well, and uh, I remember uh, the uh, the surprise with how quickly they acted um, on my end with uh, some of the threats they had made, and how quickly they were willing to uh, show they they meant business. And as we've seen since then from that particular group, uh, it, nothing's changed. They've just gotten more aggressive, um, and you know it's it's a good. Man, I remember. <laughs> so, so that that was trailing uh, the holidays, and I still had uh, some of my kids in town. And the the night we had our first call with the clients, uh, we were actually uh, had taken the kids to dinner, and so I spent the first hour of that dinner. Uh, standing outside by the doorway <laughs> as, we, as we talked, you know, and, and talked the clients through this because, I mean, look, they, they were panicking, you know, because they, um, they saw what they've worked their lives to build uh, gone, going out the window. And that's something a lot of people don't understand about what we do, you know, from the legal, the technical, the business or whatever else is, is, you know, we're dealing with people's lives and they're panicked. And so much of what both of our jobs are is to, to be a counselor many times, but not in like a legal counselor sense, but as in a, hey, we've been here before. We know, we know what we're doing. We can't guarantee anything, but 
you know, we're going to get you through this as best we can, but you got to make rational decisions to, to get us there, you know? Yeah. we we forget about the human element in these types yeah. of events, right? Everyone's focusing on the loss of their data, the potential loss of their business, the financial transaction. But to your point, we also have to deal with quote unquote, the humans, right? The, 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 the owners of these businesses or the doctors that have worked their entire life to get where they are. And literally, literally in the blink of an eye, they walk into their office, they see skull and crossbones on their machines, and now they're trying to determine whether or not they're going to even have a business tomorrow or in two weeks, you know, or in Man, six months. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I, I've been doing this a long time and I've, uh, People think that when I say this, it's because it's what I do and it's a sales tactic or whatever. But but the truth is, I honestly believe cyber risk, um, ransomware in particular, is the greatest existential threat any organization faces right now because they literally put their head on their pillow tonight and go to sleep and everything is doing fine and they wake up. And their whole world has just ended. It literally shut down everything they've been doing overnight. There aren't many risks that you can look at that are at that level of immediacy and catastrophic impact. Yeah, I mean, to your point, we did a um, a ransomware event down in the south where the hackers struck the managed service provider and took out about 50 businesses. And one of the business owners was former military. And he said, I, I'll never forget this. He said, I've seen a lot of bad things in life. And he said, what I'm going through right now is the worst thing I've ever gone through. You know, and, yeah. and that, that quote has stuck with me for years because I think that sums it up really well. You know, you don't realize what a traumatic event this is. And, you know, it's also interesting, Sean, as I um, come across these clients, you know, years um, from the original event and many of them suffer from PTSD, you know? They're, they're uh, yeah, I certainly believe it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's you, and, and that's, that's the message I try to get them to understand is it's not just what you think at that moment. It's what you feel. It's the impact on your life that this is going to have because no matter how good any of us may be at our jobs and at doing what we do, when when the bad guys get into your network and execute something like this, it is now out of all of our control. Right. It's not something we can control anymore. We hope that we can get backups and that they haven't been corrupted. We hope that we can communicate with the threat actor. But what if the FBI just took them down? Then there's nobody right. to communicate with. We hope we have uh, a reasonable demand if, if backups are gone and that we can restore. And we hope that the IT guy that came to the scene first before they called us didn't wipe all your drives. You know, we hope you have insurance money available. We hope the decryptor works you know, all these things and, and we're going to do our best. And usually it does, but there are no guarantees at that point. Right. The guarantee is if you were successfully able to keep them out of your system and we know there's no guarantees in security, it's just getting the best team to do the best work. Right. You know, and then 
there are so many variables, you know, in these cases. And you get into some of these cases where the hackers have stolen most of the business's data, right? And it becomes very problematic for organizations who are in heavily regulated industries, financial sectors, healthcare, et cetera. And when this data is taken, you know, puts the client in a very precarious situation. You know, we're aware of that. And then one of the things that we often don't talk about is the business interruption. You know, a lot of businesses, regardless of what they've been told, often by their managed service provider, the recovery process is not easy. It's expensive. And many businesses shut their doors for two weeks. I know when we typically engage clients, when they call us on our emergency line, from the beginning, we say, you have to have the expectation that you're going to be closed for two weeks. And they're like, well, how's that possible? But I would say in most of these cases, and you do you do a lot of cases too, Sean, you know, that's really what it is. It's usually around oh, yeah. day 10, they're back online, you know, and, yeah, and I've, limping. I've, I've put together a timeline that I use um, to talk to executives and, and CISOs and people like that to try to help them conceptualize what that looks like and go through the steps that need to be performed. And, and I actually did a workshop last week and used it. And the, the timeline for recovery was that two week point. And I said, y'all got to understand something. This is kind of best case scenario. You know, we do see some cases where it happens more quickly, but this is assuming everything goes well, that we're going to meet this two week. Um, if, if you have, you know, un, unanticipated delays or problems or whatever, they can go for, for much, much longer. Yeah. We did a, um, a case just recently. It was actually on a law firm out of, uh, out of Texas. And uh, after we made the ransomware payment, the threat group went quiet for about four days. Um, and this law firm actually was experiencing 100% loss. They were uh, having to go to court without all their documents. I mean, it was it was a it was a train wreck. And uh, around day four, um, in that morning, uh, the attorneys basically said, "You know, we're just going to assume that they've taken our money and left, right? And we're never going to get our data back." And luckily, later that evening, the hackers turned over the decryptor uh, to allow us to start decrypting the data and, and helping the firm recover. But yeah, look, there's a lot of stress for uh for all parties um involved and you know it's it's not not easy and not funny but interesting the uh when i called one of the attorneys and told him hey we got the decryptors his quote was so can i stop drinking now (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) you know yeah i mean that that's one variable we had one a few years ago where um the the threat actor so they encrypted it was healthcare they encrypted the network um, they had a chat bot to communicate with them with, and then they had an email address that they provided if the chat bot didn't work. So we, um, you know, arranged, uh, to, to have communication start through the chat bot, no response, go a couple of days. You know, we've, we've now sent emails, no response. The threat actor literally never responded. And so what we had to do is um, we, we knew the, the group based on the file extensions and we reached out to, um, you know, several 
uh, uh, there's a couple of firms that do nothing but like they don't do the forensics or the security. They just negotiate with the threat actors. And so we reached out to them and said, you know, we need every email address you've ever used to communicate with any of this affiliate group, right? Because it was a ransomware as a service, um, which was actually a good thing here because we had a blast email sent to every email address ever known that was associated with this group. And someone came back, one of them came back and said, hey, for 10 grand, I'll get you the decryptor. And we were like, deal. You know, so we sent a few test files. They were able to, um, the, the, it wasn't the threat actor that hit them, right? But it was an affiliate of that group and they were able to get a decryptor, but it took weeks to do wow. this before we could ever even communicate with anyone because I don't know what happened to the one that hit the, hit the client. They may have got shot in a bar that night. They may have turned good and decided to quit doing this. They may have been taken down the FBI. Who knows? But they were gone. Right. Yeah. And then you're, you're stuck, right? Can't, can't break yeah. the decryption. Nope. Um, so one of the things that I see a lot and you probably see as well, Sean, is many of these victims make statements to you and I like, well, we had a really good IT company and we had state of the art firewalls and we had antivirus, you know, we had a backup and we still got hit. So in your mind, you know, what's, the difference between IT and cyber companies in terms of, you know, what you see from a protection standpoint, what, what's the advantage yeah. of businesses working with a good IT company and a, a good cyber company? Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, I value partnerships with, with all, um, because everyone has their role. Everyone has their skill set that they're best at. Um, and, and the other layer to add into this, Gary, is when you are working with a pretty big company and they have a pretty good internal team. You know, they have some really experienced folks doing internal IT, maybe even internal security. Um, and and it's, it's hard because you, you always want to be cognizant of other people's pride, their egos, their skill set, you know, their experience. Um, but for me, there's a clear distinction, first and foremost, between IT and security. It's almost like marketing and legal within an organization. IT is charged primarily with making things happen, making things work, making the computers come on, making the network operate. Security is charged with protecting the environment, with stopping bad things from happening. So one is to facilitate and make the stuff come on. The other is to protect and to defend. And those are inherently different skill sets at a certain degree. And so, number one, an MSP, a managed services provider, their primary role is generally to make your network work, to set things up, to have it work efficiently and smoothly. And, and most of them will come in and say, yes, and we offer security services. Well, well, that's great. And I want all the security we can get. But there is a whole new level between 
the security that an MSP can offer and the, the more check the box protections, you know, the more, yes, we follow best practices. Yes. You know, we do the basic stuff, right? Good cyber hygiene, but security experts are that for a reason because they take it beyond the list of best practices to What's it really like to be defending a network and devoting 100% of our focus to protecting and defending? And that's very different. Anybody that's in a job where you're required to do different kinds of skill sets that, that may be counter to each other, will understand how hard it is to go to take the hat of making something happen off to putting on the hat of protecting against things happening. And so, so, so at just the basic level, you need um, experts that are experts in securing and protecting. And it's very different from what an MSP does. And so to really, to take it to the next level, and this is where I bring in internal security within companies, internal security within companies, or even some of your more generic managed security firms, they're doing more of the best practices stuff. They're dealing with a lot of volume um, that that is not that high level battle. I, I, I look at them as being like military terms, you know, your traditional infantry maybe, or, you know, they're, they're great at taking care of a whole lot of stuff on a very, you know, strong, sound level. But then you got to look at how these threat actor groups are working. There are some that are just operating on a very basic level. They're, they're using volume. They're using scanning tools, whatnot. But then you have those that spend nothing, their time doing nothing but incredibly sophisticated um, high level battle, you know, at a, at a level of expertise that we don't see in most organizations. And that's where for dealing with those kind of groups, you need someone who has a comparable level of skill and training and expertise at doing battle at them. This is like your, your, Army Rangers, your special forces, your Navy SEALs, right? These are the people who spend all day doing nothing but engaging in the battle. And that's what we have to realize. Look, I, I got into cyber with Y2K. Y2K was a problem that could be fixed. Cyber risk, cybersecurity is not a problem that can be fixed. It's not a code change or anything like that. You're in battle. You have an active adversary that is doing battle against you and you have to fight back against them. And every time you try to deploy some measure to protect, they're going to change their tactic. They're going to they're going to come at you a different way and they're going to do something you weren't expecting. You've got to have an active battle like you, you got to have someone protecting you in that level. And so to me, um, that's where we need comparable experts to defend and protect against those types of attacks, which you're just not going to get with your MSP. You're just not going to get with your in-house security team. Um, 
you got to have the experts for that. Right. Really well said. I, I love your comparison, you know, with the military. I, I think it sums it up perfectly. Um, one of the things that I'm starting to see, and I don't know if it's crossed your desk or not, it's related to cyber insurance. And some of these carriers, and this also relates to third parties who want to partner with the company, are starting to ask for true third party assessments, not vulnerability scans run by the IT company, you know, or attestations from the IT or MSP, true third parties. Are you starting to see any of this as well? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're seeing um a lot of evolution in cyber insurance, which is really driving a lot of cybersecurity now for multiple reasons. Um, about a year and a half ago, it was actually spring of 2021, um, there was a change in the cyber insurance market of what's called a hardening of the market. They realized that they had been uh, paying out a whole lot of money, primarily on ransomware claims, and they needed to do something to cut back and to, to manage that risk better. And so a lot of companies have noticed you've seen doubling, tripling of insurance premiums, higher retentions, um, all that. And then along with that, you started seeing more of a, in, I, I say intrusive because it's good, it, uh, an intrusive examination into the cyber practices of the potential insured because the insurance companies want to make sure they're they're insuring the best risk possible. And they started saying things like, look, if you don't have multi-factor authentication, um, you're not, you're not going to get coverage, period. If you're running public-facing remote desktop in your environment, you and I both know, Gary, that's, that's where your ransomware is coming in. We're yep. not insuring you, right? So they started asking for that, you know, going through and asking for those like a check mark by those kind of things. Then they started, some of them started using these, these scanning tools. Um, the, all of it's been beneficial. All of it's helped. But now we're seeing them get much more intrusive where they're wanting, they're not just wanting to take the company's word for it anymore. They're wanting a, a true expert analysis and opinion as to what kind of risk are we taking when we write insurance for this company. And, and man, it's, it's only going to continue to, to, to grow in this direction or move in this direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think one of the things we're seeing also is um, like this true third party. So we'll get calls from clients and the clients will say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get cyber coverage. Can you send the insurance company copies of all of our, you know, penetration tests and our vulnerability scans and proof we have, you know, advanced endpoint detection and response or extended detection and response. So to your point, you're right. They're no longer just taking, you know, the word from the client or a one page app where, you know, the clients checked off things that they don't even know what they're checking off and then they're binding coverage. Um, and I think the, the, the big thing here is. Um, we're seeing um, a lot of third-party vendors, right? So we have clients that want to work with other companies and the other companies are now doing the same thing. Like, okay, you want to partner with us? That's great. However, let's have proof that you are in fact securing your environment properly because we don't want your breach to be a problem for us, right? And we are seeing a yeah. lot of third-party breaches recently because people, businesses, executives aren't doing due diligence 
on the companies they're partnering with. And now all of a sudden they have access to their data, their systems, they store data, they process data, and these systems get breached. Now they have an issue, right? Especially in, yeah. in heavily regulated well, industries. You know, Gary, um, yeah. So so we're seeing exactly that. And, and we're one of the things we've been encouraging clients to do and we've been leading them and helping them with is developing and implementing and maturing a true cyber risk management program. Um, one that's not static, but that's ongoing, that involves regular uh, risk assessments from a business impact standpoint. So I'm not talking about a technical risk assessment. I'm talking about something that I'm looking at to say, if this happens to you, what's going to be the primary impact on your business and how's this going to affect you? And and I believe strongly that the only way you're going to better manage this risk is you've got to have an ongoing program that's tailored to your organization that, that has the right, um, you know, it's focused on the right things and it's unique to every organization. You can't just take it from one and apply it to the other. But we're looking for those kind of risks and we're requiring that kind of diligence on third parties. For example, I have this one client that, that we've been working with. They're a publicly traded uh, company <clears throat> and Man, their internal IT systems are great. Their CISO has done a great job of, of doing all the basics that we ask for. And, and uh, you know, they, they've, they've got layers of security protections in place. They, they have a, a, a strong security firm defending them. And so I, was, I talked to him. I said, you know, this is all great, but where's all your customer data? And he said, oh, well, that's the beauty of it. We don't have any of it uh, in our network environment. We, we have this one application that runs our whole business and all the customer data, all the payment information, all the PCI compliance, all that rests with them. And I was like, oh, man, that's great. So what happens if they get hit with ransomware? He said, hmm. well, we're out of business. I said, well, right. Now I know where we need to be focused. We don't need to be focused so much on your environment. We need to be focused on their environment, developing a relationship with them and their technical team. And, oh, by the way, y'all are a big enough player in this market. They're going to play ball. They're going to listen. And we're going to help them improve their security so that you're in turn more secured, right? And that's where we're going to want exactly what you're talking about of having not just us taking their word for it, but having an expert go in and look at their environment and tell us what the problems are and having a collaboration with them to help improve their security because we live or die with them and we need to face that. And it's so important to do this due diligence. And I think for a lot of smaller and medium-sized businesses, they either don't have the resources or the knowledge to even go through with this type of due diligence. That, that's a huge issue. We, um, they don't know they do Gary. They don't yeah. know they do. They yeah. don't know that if they engaged someone to help them, that if, if you've got five grand to spend and that's it, all right, are you going to get the level of, of spending 75 grand a month or a quarter? No, but what, what can we do? We can ask, does your vendor have cyber insurance? 
because mm -hmm. what do we know about cyber insurance that we just talked about? They're not insuring bad risks as much. Okay. You know, do you have some basic policies and procedures? Are you using some of those, you know, basic tools are using endpoint detection, you know, an EDR tool or something like that. There's little things you can ask that can tell you a whole lot, but they've got to have some, some guidance on how to do that. Yeah. And they got to know. And it's really interesting because we were going to do a um, kind of like a partnership with a company that services the healthcare industry, very large organization. And I was speaking to their business development person and they told me, oh, we're fully HIPAA compliant. You know, security is a priority for us. I said, okay, that sounds great. Let's talk to your security folks. So we get on the phone and you can imagine where this is going to go, Sean. <laughs> you know, I start asking some pretty straightforward questions. Hey, do you guys have a vulnerability management program, right? Oh yeah, we do that. Okay, well, what, what does that really entail? Well, we run scans once a, a year against our environment. Like, <laughs> okay, well, that's not really a program. That's kind of a one-time test. And then he's like, well, you know, we, we're really tight with our security and we constantly check it. And I said, well, that, that once again, sounds good, but what does that really mean? I said, have you had a third-party company come in and, and actually test the security? And he said, well, no, we just have, you know, our, our security engineers do that all in-house. And I said, well, when's the last time you've had a penetration test done? And he's like, well, I'll look into that for you, right? And needless to say, I'm still waiting for it three months later, mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's the, the challenge here, Sean, is, as I was alluding to, many business owners don't know what to ask or even where to start. So they That's hear right. words like, oh, we're PCI compliant or we're HIPAA compliant um, or we have cybersecurity in place. Who, there's no definition for cybersecurity. That I know <laughs> what of, is but, that? Uh, yeah. but anyone could say they, they're, they're doing cybersecurity or have cybersecurity and, and you kind of just hang your shingle on that. But I think to my point, until businesses start taking a grassroots effort and start really putting the pressure on these vendors to prove that they are in fact doing best practices, complying with certain types of frameworks, um, et cetera, the victim in many of these cases is in fact the end user. You know, because yeah. a lot of businesses and, and healthcare orgs have shifted their risk to these quote unquote cloud-based services with doing zero due diligence. My friend uses them. They're known in the industry. They've been around for a while. They say they do security. And there is a there is a cloud-based software out there that services the healthcare market that literally tells their clients not to use firewalls because all of the data is secure in the cloud. So there's hundreds of healthcare orgs that are running around without firewalls in their environment because they've been told by this vendor that they don't need firewalls anymore. It's a sales tactic. Yeah. Right. But it's but it's a disaster waiting to happen. So, you know, vendor due diligence, I think, is is a uh, is important. Um, and it's it's something that's not talked about. But you know, we're starting you know, to force the issue. It sounds like you're forcing the issue as well, which is great. You know, Gary, at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is they business owners whether they're in healthcare legal whether they're public companies whether i don't care who it is they have to start caring about this issue they have to realize this is not just some nuisance aggravation this literally can be the life of your 
business, whatever it may be. And, you know, you just think about many of the cases you and I've handled, and we've handled a lot to go, so we're not giving away anything secret here. But how many of these owners acted like this was just some nuisance that, well, why did this happen? How did this happen? Fix it, you know? And and they didn't truly understand that security, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't trust your CFO to go say, yeah, I'm going to keep all our money. I'm not putting it in a bank. I've, I've got this buddy who, who's got this great safe <laughs> down in his garage, and we're just going to go put our money in there. That way, you know, you wouldn't do what? How stupid would that be, right? But when you trust, oh, yeah, I'm going to trust the lifeblood of our company our computer network that has everything on it that is what we use to operate. I'm going to trust it to the friend of a cousin of a brother-in-law who does IT and and he'll, you know, do it on the weekends. Right. Stop and think about that. But that's what the world, that's, those are the people that keep you and I in business because those are the people that aren't getting it right that, like you said, they're using all these sales tactics and they're getting hit time after time after time. Yeah. I mean, we, we see all these different types of tactics. We see promises of ransomware proof, proof backups, right? <laughs> and we've done numerous cases where, okay, that wasn't quite accurate. They either- They weren't even they, backing they wiped, up. They were yeah, charging you and they up. never even did it. <laughs> they tagged the wrong file set. They moved a server, forgot to tag the server. The hackers gained access to the backups. Um, you know, the devices were wiped clean. Uh, the backup solutions were, were, were just gone. They weren't even viable anymore. Um, so that's, that's an issue as well. And then we've seen scenarios where just because of the size of the data set, maybe the backups are viable, but the amount of time it takes to restore the data from the cloud, from a business operation standpoint, it's cheaper to pay the ransom. Right. Yeah, if if it takes sure. you five, six days to pull the data from the cloud and you can be back up and running in two or three days, it may be just better to pay the ransom. I'm not saying that that's ideal or we should pay criminals, but sometimes businesses have to uh, have to make a decision here. And, and I think that's what a lot of these these businesses are relying on is their backups. I see ads all the time. Ransomware proof your business through this backup solution. I'm like, wow, they've missed like 90% of the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because what they're not, they're not understanding is all ransomware really is, is it's extortion. And let's say even if they were able to, to back everything up, well, you've only eliminated one area of extortion. That's the, the data recovery aspect. You haven't eliminated the whole side of data theft and now posting data on shame sites and calling not just your business executives and your employees and telling them about it, but now calling the individuals whose data they stole and telling them we hit this company and they won't pay us money and we're going to go use your data now for, for, uh, for, for identity theft. Right. I mean, and there's a whole, I mean, at, at its simplest form, right? We could all stop ransomware if we could just do two things, encrypt all data and have have good backups of all data. Right. Uh, that, that'd solve it, but who can actually do it? That's the problem well, in the it, end. Yeah, I think you that's know? the big problem. I mean, most of these systems that many businesses run are unfortunately antiquated. That's just yeah. the reality of the world we're in, right? They, they either don't have encryption, they have poor encryption, 
Um, there's publicly exploitable vulnerabilities for those databases, uh, et cetera. So it is, it is definitely an issue. Um, so I think one of the, the interesting things that I want to kind of circle back on um, with you is I think all the cases we've dealt with, Sean, everyone's had a managed service provider, you know, and yeah. that to, to your point at the beginning, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I think that's a big takeaway. You know, we started the, the, the chat about, you know, engaging with specialists and, and making sure you have the correct team backing you up, a really strong managed service provider to, to do what they do. Right, keeping the computers up to date, functional, um, replacing devices when they need to, and then bringing in this true third party to to assess the security. Um, we've had clients where the clients went back to their MSP and said, oh, we just signed up with a cybersecurity company. And the MSP basically flips out, says, you don't need them. We handle all the security, everything's fine. And we run the tests. And within a few days, the data doesn't lie, right? Oh, the, the, the attack surface, absolutely. right? The attack surface that we can uncover, the vulnerabilities in the devices and the, the external facing environment is sometimes substantial, right? And, and I think that's extremely eye-opening for so many business owners to, to say, wow, I, I truly felt like all the doors and windows on my house were locked and you came over to my house and within 30 seconds, you were in my safe in my basement. So, Yeah, yeah I mean, look, your MSP they they don't like having anybody else involved. They think they do everything because it's they're they're not experts, right? In security. They're that's just not their primary skill set. And all of us have a problem of not knowing what we do not know. And, and if we live our world in a certain box, we don't understand what lies outside that box, what capabilities lie outside of there, what expertise lies outside of there. And I hope it's just that many times they just don't know of the level of expertise that a true security firm brings and that it's not being disingenuous, but I know better. I know it's, it's a mix of both. Um, but I would... I, I do not generally rely on an MSP to do the work of a security firm. Now, we have had some cases where um, it was maybe no cyber insurance to pay for this, no ability to bring in a third party for financial reasons, and the MSP had a pretty qualified team that, that did a pretty good job, even if they weren't true forensics you know, experts, and, and we've been able to work with them. It's not the same. In, in almost every case, it's not going to be the same. And, and they're different roles. They have different core functions, and people have to understand that. And, you know, we have one client right now that got hit with a ransomware in 2021, and it shook their foundations. They ended up hiring an MSP to then come in, then they hired a security firm layered on top of that. And in a week, um, they're doing penetration testing with another security firm that the second security firm doesn't know about because they're like, we're not telling them. We want to know. We want to know this other company says they can get in. We're going to see. And right. you know what? Hats off to them because they're put they're They're serious now. They're serious. And they don't want to find themselves in that position again. 
Absolutely. Right. And unfortunately, that's what we typically see. The piggy bank opens quickly after an attack, right? Unlimited funds start flowing and we're never going to want to go through this again. But maybe if they had invested, I'm not blaming victims because that's not right. But uh, to your point, businesses have to understand the risk and and address it, and and you have to spend right. That's the reality of it. You it have it to takes spend it takes security. resources. That's yeah. right. And yeah. and you know what? We don't have. Uh, it's it's what we all hear, right? We don't have the money to spend on security. Well, mm-hmm. where are you going to get the money to spend when you get hit? Because right. you're going to get it. You're yep. going to use it from somewhere. Take a little bit of that now, and let's keep it from happening. Yeah, it's almost like an investment. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. Well, anything else you want to talk about, Sean? Man, the, the only other thing I, I've got a common message I want to always get out to, to companies and that's to understand that um, part of preparing for cyber risk is our resilience planning. And that's, that's planning for what are you going to do if something bad does happen? And, and we tend to overcomplicate that a lot. But really, the most important thing I view um, in incident response planning is understanding your risks and having your team of experts ready and available at the time when it's game day, right? So when that time happens, have your team of experts ready and available. And I mean, folks like you, Gary, your cybersecurity and forensics experts, folks like me, your breach counsel, your legal counsel. And understand that most companies these days do need cyber insurance, but your cyber insurance company may not be willing to work with the team of experts you have in place if you haven't gotten them approved ahead of time. So go through the process of getting getting a, a $0 retainer in place with your experts, you know, which just means running conflicts, getting an engagement agreement in place, having them ready to go. So when you need them, you can call them and then getting, sending a, a note to your insurance broker and saying, these are the people we work with, get them approved under our policy and doing that ahead of time. Because then when the problem happens, when it's game day and you have this team that you've been working with over here, that's ready to go. You don't have the insurance company come in and say, Oh, no, we're not working with them. You now have to get a whole new team in place. That's not something you want to be dealing with in this crisis. Um, and, and you don't want to be having to, to fight with them and you can do all this stuff ahead of time. So just, just take a little bit of time and get your team in place. Um, get them or an engagement agreement in place and get your insurance carrier approval of them beforehand, because it's much, much easier beforehand than it is after the events happened. Such great advice, Sean. I mean, I, I, I've, um, We've done a lot of cases in, in with ransomware, et cetera. And I can think of maybe two businesses that had any type of incident response plan in place. And typically what we see, unfortunately, is during headlight syndrome, right? Where yeah. they're they have no idea what to do, how to how to do it. Their fallback answer was we'll just call, you know, our IT folks and they'll figure it all out. Well, often this happens on a weekend. You can't get a hold of anyone. Um, and to your point with timelining things, having an incident response plan and all these companies lined up ahead of time may shave and often does shave days off the event. 
So there's a financial aspect to that as well. I mean, you look at what, uh, or business should look at what they generate daily from a revenue perspective and say, hey, if I can shave off two, three days, maybe by having a very comprehensive incident response plan, there's probably tremendous value there for most businesses because it's usually proportional anyway. Um, so, but but point yeah. well taken. It, 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 it shaves off time yep. and mistakes. Mistakes True. that may not be able to be undone. Um, and, and you've got to remember something, and I'm not here to point fingers, but usually the reason you're in this situation is because the IT team that you had in place wasn't able to protect for whatever reason. And I, I don't fault them because they're doing the best they can at what they do, but they're not true experts at doing battle with these threat actor groups. And so just thinking I'm going to lean on the folks who got me here isn't what's going to get you out. One of the most important steps, and you know this because you do it, is you've got to secure that environment and get the bad guys out or they're going to undo everything you try to do to fix it. Yeah, and unfortunately, what we also see, Sean, is sometimes there is good effort to try and help the victim out. That is often um, taking place by the MSP. And unfortunately, they're putting the business in a more precarious situation. I often uh, make an analogy to a crime scene, right? Where, where some event occurs and cleanup is done, things are moved around. Maybe there's some good intentions there, but then it makes the investigation very difficult uh, or impossible. And because of that, the victim may have no option but to report the event, especially if they're in some type of regulated business, where if everyone had just call, called basically a timeout, a pause, hey, let's get experts in here before we make a huge mistake, they could have been in a better place. And, and I've seen right. that happen. I know for a fact you've seen that happen. Um, and, and businesses instantly focus on recovery not the event itself, right? Everyone just like, you need to be, you know, they'll say to their MSP, you need to get us back online as quickly as possible. And the MSPs go into firefighting mode and recovery mode, you know, versus, versus investigative mode. So Yeah, and then it's part and partial, to, it's human nature. Right. They just had this happen on their watch and they're going to do everything they can to try to fix it as soon as possible. But they don't realize that they're going to make a lot of mistakes in that process, and it could be catastrophic. We have had more cases than I care to remember where um, the IT guy or the MSP came in and there were no backups. They wiped the drives because they didn't yet realize there were no backups. They thought they had good backups, and they thought they were going to be able to restore they came in, wiped the drives. So now you don't have the backups and you don't have the drives. And only later do they realize they didn't have the backups. And that's right about the time they get experts involved. And the experts find out, oh, you've got cyber insurance. You've got money to pay the threat actor. Let's reach out to them and see what their demand is. And we've got insurance money to pay the, pay the ransom to get you back up and running. But guess what? There's now nothing to decrypt. Because right. the IT guy, the MSP, wiped it and it's now gone. Yeah, we had um, we had a case recently where the entire environment got hit with ransomware. They actually had a disconnected backup 
an external drive. And the MSP didn't realize that at that time, they were the victim of a ransomware attack. They thought it was a technical issue with the server. So they take the external drive and they plug it into the server. And within minutes, the backup is encrypted with ransomware too, right? So left in a, in a precarious situation. Mm. So yeah. look, there's a million war stories that we can probably go through, you know, and, and, and I think, um, you know, a lot of people would be, be shocked, but I know we're running out of time here, Sean. And uh, as always, uh, you're a pleasure to work with. You're a wealth of information. You want to tell us a little bit about your law firm? Yes. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm an attorney. I focus 100% on cybersecurity data privacy work, and I'm the co-chair of the cybersecurity data privacy group at Spencer Fain Law Firm. We're a uh, U.S.-based national uh, law firm with uh, offices all over uh, throughout the country. And um, we have a, a core group of uh cybersecurity data privacy attorneys, and we work on all things from incident response, which is what we've been talking about here today, to uh, class action and regulatory litigation, and then, uh, you know, cyber risk management, um, compliance, contracts, documents, all that fun stuff as well. So anything dealing with cyber privacy, we deal with it. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you much. I uh, really appreciate your time, Sean, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hope you Sounds enjoyed the good. Podcast. Thank you very much, Gary. It's always a pleasure. You too, sir. See ya. Thank you for listening. Learn how to keep your business cyber safe by going to blacktalonsecurity.com.